You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who is Moon Knight? Like, seriously, I'm actually asking you that question. I, I really don't even know who this character is. And if you're like me and you also don't know who this person is, well, this episode is going to be great for you because we're going to be talking about not just Moon Knight, but also the representation of mental health in comics. We are the priests of the geeks, meaning that we are the mediators between the Christian faith and pop culture. This is not a bait and switch. This is not a trap. We are just three guys who love Jesus, love comic books, and also all identify in the mental health community. So we are perfect for this conversation. And if you want more of us in your life, because obviously you do, you should go to patreon.com slash ecology, where you can subscribe to one of our tiers and unlock a lot of great bonus content. And a big shout out to all of you who have already done that. You are the heart and soul of this show. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode, Brandon Knight. I am a seminary student. And recently, I have been geeking out and combating the seasonal depression blues by reading one of my Calvin and Hobbes collected editions, because there's no better way. It's like it's an easy laugh. Every every strip is just an easy laugh. Easy laugh gets my mind off of things. I'm Joshua Knoll. I'm a one of the co-hosts of the Whole Church podcast. I'll be sure to go over and check that out. And today, this is geeky in a weird way. Uh, it's something that geeks like to do that I don't think a lot of other people like to do. Um, so I remembered that I used to watch a lot growing up some of these Disney cartoons with the upcoming Rescue Rangers thing going on. I was just interested. I decided to rewatch the Hercules animated series because Hercules is my favorite Disney movie. Nice. And I was like, I remember loving this as a kid. It was so awful. <laughs> that I just I had to have it on while I was doing homework and stuff. And I was like, I just need this on all day because it's just so terrible. I need it on, you know, that's awesome. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I am Joe. I am a host over at uh, Buddy Walk with Jesus. And I am I've recently fallen back into the um, the ridiculous hole of going through all of the generations of Godzilla and watching some of the old uh, Godzilla movies and things like that. I was bracing for Power Rangers. I thought he was going to say all the different (laughs) generations of Power Rangers, which will probably be the next one. All right. So again, today we are going to be talking about Moon Knight in general in anticipation of the upcoming Disney Plus series. We're going to do a little bit of a dive on the character, Mm -hmm. but we're also going to be talking about characters in comic books who are a part of the mental health community. All three of us identify in one way or another with this community. Um, And there has been many times throughout the history of the church where this topic has not been handled well. Arguably, it's been handled well in various cases in comic books better than within the church. So today is going to be a very honest conversation. If you all could see this video right now, Joe is nodding furiously to that last comment. We're going to be talking about this for a little bit. Uh, but first, let's let's focus in on Moon Knight for a little bit first. Guys, I wasn't kidding. I got nothing on this. I got nothing on Moon Knight. So how about this? I'll tell you a little bit about what I do know. And then I feel like Josh should be the one who fills in some of the gaps. He's the more marvel of the of the three of us. 
So Moon Knight is going to be played by Oscar Isaacs, which is the best part. Um, he has arguably the coolest costume design in all of comic books. That is a pretty sweet costume design. Even the one there for a while, I think he was wearing like a literal suit and tie. And that was unorthodox, but cool. Um, I have heard before that he is the Batman of Marvel Comics because he uses gadgets, I guess. And I have no idea who his main antagonist is. I think Werewolf by Night is associated with this character. And there is talk that there's supposed to be Werewolf Werewolf by Night series or uh, special later this year. But um, yeah. That's it. I I want to like this character and the trailer looks good. But Josh, why don't you fill this in for me a little bit? I love this character and I have a weird history with this character. So um, I I read comics some when I was younger and uh, mostly from the local library in the kids section. And it wasn't until I got older and I went to the young adult section when I had already given up comics. I was like, wait, there's some here. What's this about? Picked up the first one I picked up was Moon Knight, and I was like, hmm. "Why are these not in the kids section?" Open up first page is him ripping someone's spine out and using that to kill all the rest of his enemies, and I was like, "Hmm, I guess these aren't just for kids." <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was my introduction to this and character. Then he they read Sandman, mature no. comics in general. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, his main antagonist might be Mister Midnight. It's so hard to say because he just kills everyone. <laughs> he's just very violent (laughs) very violent at one point because of his sanity and just how murderous he is deadpool said he wanted nothing to do with him and i feel like that's a good indicator for where we stand with this guy um his skill set is similar to batman's i guess because he does have like he has like a moon ship that he flies around with sort of like the bat ship and like he has all his gadgets and stuff but the big difference i think is most of his gadgets are aimed at piercing someone's skin, ripping body parts off and apart okay. and being extra violent. Whereas my understanding of Batman is that he doesn't kill except for in some universes. And I don't understand why or how that works, but you know, I'm not a DC guy, so I'll leave that to you guys. Comic book rules. Go on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, the, the main premise is that we don't know what the premise is um, sort of okay. like, I feel like how, what I think of Joker is where we're like, we're not really sure. Um, he may or may not be blessed by the moon God who's giving him superpowers because Ooh. he seems to be super strong and stuff. But then we always go into this frame where he's questioning all of reality and he wakes up and he's still in the mental asylum and you're like, Oh, Maybe this is just a crazy guy. None of that happened. And then later you'll see in the news that it in fact did happen. And some of the other Avengers do know about it. Interesting. Like, Is he just actually insane? Or is this moon God truly giving him ultra powers to do this stuff? Interesting. And is there even a moon God or does he just have superpowers and decided to make up the moon God? The moon God. We really don't fully know. A lot of the comics seem to confirm that it's absolutely true. There's totally a moon God and it's canon. But then you'll get another comic later on. that's like, hmm. Maybe not. Hmm. And they really kind of leave you hanging a lot. Um, And that's sort of where the mental health stuff comes in here. Because is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he just someone who is distressed and no one seems to know how to help him? Because, you know, even when he interacts with like Spider-Man and Captain America, they're like, we really don't want anything to do with you. A few times he's on teams like with Daredevil and Punisher and all like the dark heroes. Like the Thunderbolts. Yeah, well, or not Thunderbolts, but like the Defenders, yeah. Okay. 
And the main thing with it is like, for, for me, my main question when I read those, and I think that's what the comics are trying to get at is, is it even okay that we're using him to help us in this situation? <laughs> Should the mm. heroes actually just be turning him in as hey, he needs help or is it okay that they're like, you know, he seems to have something going on and we need to defeat the bad guy. So we're just going to take advantage of this guy. <laughs> Interesting. That is also kind of dark. If that's yeah, the it's, case, it's all twisted and it's, it's always trippy. It's always dark. It's okay. always very gory. <laughs> is he which like is a, why I'm confused on how Disney's going to do this? Yeah, right. I also get from the trailer. Is he an archaeologist or something? What's all the moon god stuff? Like how I all that stuff don't know. OK, I yeah, I, I definitely I, it is in the comics. I just don't remember where it came from or how. OK, I tend to end up in his story later on. And I haven't actually read a lot about his origins. OK, fair enough. But, Joe, is there anything you want to add into this on Moon Knight? Yeah, no, the um, the first time that I was introduced to the character was actually in once the MCU was already a thing. And uh, I was listening to a YouTuber go on about some theories that they had about some people that might get um, uh, introduced in mm -hmm. the movies. And one of them that came up was was Moon Knight and they did a like a deep dive into the character and that was the first mm -hmm. time I I've I've never read much of their much of his comics. I know that he is um it's it's kind of low key accepted that he's got dissociative identity disorder mm -hmm. um and, and or schizophrenia are the two the two main ones that I've that I've heard of for him and so basically mm -hmm. everything that Josh said is is about where where I would qualify myself as any kind of fan like like Josh said mm -hmm. where being a DC guy I think the thing that that catches my attention the most a is the mental health thing but sure. b is hearing so many people that are that cling to be Marvel people talk about how he's the Batman of the Marvel universe mm -hmm. I feel. I feel like a big part of that is like if you if you ask Marvel fans, there's like five different characters that get labeled the Superman of hmm. the Marvel universe. And so like, I don't know, that seems a little bit like, OK, so they both use gadgets and things like that. Mm -hmm. So do a bunch of other people, depending on how nuanced you want to sure. actually get. So, yeah. What I did want to get back to the mental health stuff, because um, I remembered that Mark Scepter, a.k.a. Moon Knight, okay. part of his thing was PTSD. And I was trying to remember, what did he have PTSD about? So I just looked it up. Okay. He was a mercenary missionary. Oh. Yeah. Nice. In Egypt. And basically an accident happened and he was saved by the moon god idol. So Ooh. he saw that idol. That's what rescued him, supposedly. And that's sort of why we think either the moon god was encompassing that idol and thus actually visiting him, or he's just having flashbacks to that idol. And that's what makes him think he got his powers from the moon god. Interesting. Well, thanks for filling that gap in for us. So PTSD, Joe, I think you said it earlier, and I always say this wrong, so I apologize to anybody that I may offend. Disassociative identity disorder, DID. Um are all part of this character's design that trauma from the past causing issues in the present, causing disturbance in the presence and a sense of 
multiple, I don't want to say multiple personalities because that's what we used to call DID, but multiple personas within a person affecting their daily life. That's some heavy stuff there. Yeah. And then you tie in religion. And I, I think the big question that the comics asked that I hope the series doesn't shy away from is, mm-hmm. is religion, is worship really just a mental disorder? Are you really just making this stuff up mm-hmm. in your head? Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff your brain can truly make yourself think like you can think mm-hmm. that you're injured enough that you actually suffer that injury. And that's what makes people question, OK, so how do you know that your brain's just not making you think that God is real? And that's where Brandon is going to give us a very clear answer to that. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, really? Because Joe looked like he <laughs> wanted to jump in. So I was going to throw it to Joe. <laughs> well, it's it's the blue car problem, as I call it. If your brain okay. wants to see a blue car, it's going to see a blue car everywhere it turns. OK, that was the the that very question is the very question that I had for years about the whole religion thing is the mind is a very powerful thing. The mm-hmm. mind can create anything that any sensation given enough proper motivation, it, it can create it generally mm-hmm. speaking to the point of causing major bodily harm or experience. Like you, you for all intents and purposes experience this thing. If you've convinced yourself that you've experienced this thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it that's a very interesting part of this character discussion anytime that you talk about mental illness and you talk about the mix of that in religion it mm-hmm. is is the religious practice part of the mental disorder it's the same idea that you have with a character like daredevil right Daredevil hmm. is kind of my guy as far as like seeing somebody that is very clearly mentally Mentally irregular. Um, okay. And obviously very religious and a superhero. Like that that creates a very valid conversation, even as Christians, for us mm-hmm. to have because it allows us to explore, A, what do, tra- what do detractors say? And B, hmm. what is the full breadth and context that we live in as Christians who are – mentally irregular i am Mm -hmm. a christian who is mentally irregular so i don't Mm -hmm. say that in any manner of disrespect and i don't want to i want to spend too much of this episode backtracking and saying hey i don't mean this in disrespect but understand that these are like you said at the beginning i kind of want to turn to the camera for a second and the things that i say i'm not necessarily um the most PG person that you're going to come across, but I say all of these things as an active participant in this life, in this conversation and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't say it wagging my finger, looking at it from the outside. That's really good. Yeah. I, um, which, which, you know, sometimes, uh, what's, what's Joe's line when the red lights on long enough, you, you get vulnerable, right? <laughs> I believe that's Lex Luthor, but go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, you know, something. There it is. Um, there it is. I, I will throw out there. So I, I struggle with ADHD. And then since my accident, I'll say pretty likely that I have PTSD. I do the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of that stuff that are the symptoms. I just don't like to self-diagnose because it's a very self, it's a very serious condition. Sure. And the only reason I haven't been officially diagnosed really is I'm just scared to find out that I have it. <laughs> Not that that actually changes anything, 
but it's just one of those where like i just don't want to know if i have that or not i understand that well there's 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 an unfortunate amount of power in the diagnosis because the diagnosis can become part of your identity so Mm -hmm. to to follow suit i am bipolar um i have i was diagnosed when i was 18 i think um and i also have uh brain damage and Mm. so being a part being a part of the mental health community has always kind of been there for me but I had to work through pretty immediately not becoming identified by the fact that I am bipolar. And that I swung to the opposite end and was militant about not being medicated because hmm. like I refused to be identified. So I refused to go on medication. Now, granted, a lot of good came from that, that I did learn coping mechanisms. I did learn hmm. how to how, uh, how to operate <laughs> unmedicated from that, just being real with y'all. You know, I just was mm-hmm. medicating in other ways and mm. um, being able to but 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 to to the detriment of like almost like denying that I was actually part of this group by saying, oh, no, I'm good. I'm OK. Mm. I, I can handle this by myself. So I totally get that sentiment that sometimes there's almost a piece in the unknown that gets replaced once you do know, because you can't live in blissful ignorance anymore, but mm. there comes the there comes the opportunity, but also the challenge in learning how to manage that from coming becoming part of the overall identity of who you are. Well, I'll take my swing. I have moderate to severe depression, and it actually has been recommended to me before to get uh, screened for being bipolar, but that was a recent recommendation. And much like Josh, that I've recently not done that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 pro- I, I should. I should. But um, no, I years and years and years ago, um, actually about 10 years ago, I had a suicide attempt when I was in high school, um, had a number of issues of self-harm there for a while as well. A lot of my stuff has always tracked back to... Um, a lot of my stuff has always tracked back to identity issues, um, trauma from childhood, and uh, just not thinking the right thing about stuff. Meaning, yeah. um, right. you know, going back to this idea we were talking about earlier of how religion plays a role in all this, talking about like views on God, view on the relationship aspect of Christianity, the view of myself and how God sees me. Um, just a lot. I, I was thinking about this the other day, guys, and I don't know. I would maybe use this to describe because mental health irregularity is so can be so personal to an individual. So I don't say this as like a universal truth, but I would say I would describe my brain when it gets all fuzzy. It's a lot like a really twisted up slinky. You know how slinkies get all yeah. like knotted up and twisted and one giant ball and it takes a long time and it takes it's like a slow methodical process to get it all untangled. And then finally, when it's all untangled, if you get it all untangled, it's still kind of like bent up and a little uneven and mm-hmm. stuff. That's kind of how I would at least explain it for myself. It's taken me 10 plus years to finally put lyrics to it. But, you know, that's 
I would kind of explain my own head that way of like, it's a slinky that's a little twisted up and it's taken a long, slow process of getting it um, unworked. Medication has never really been something that was recommended to me. A lot of it has been um, thinking differently is what I've been encouraged. But uh, a lot of counseling, I have gone through a lot of counseling, Um, but the medication side of things has never really been recommended. Um, and that's an entire separate conversation talking about, um, talking about medication and religion and faith. Yeah. But yeah, I have found for myself because sometimes I don't know how to explain ADHD to people, but sometimes it can be fun. <laughs> it could be like when you have all your browsers up, you're just clicking on what you want to look at at the moment. And then sometimes you're trying, you're actually trying to think about something and it's just mm-hmm. impossible. Right. It's like when your computer glitches and it just randomly switches windows on you and you don't have control. Mm. And uh, that's why for me, you know, there's several different kinds of medication you can take for ADHD, but I mm. end up going with the kinds that are, I can take it as needed as opposed to once a day. Okay. Because like I enjoy to let my mind run free every now and then. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For my, for my brain damage, there are some aspects of it that I like, I question whether or not I would be a broadcaster if it weren't for the mm-hmm. fact that uh, different parts of my brain had to get worked after I, and, and so my, my, my brain damage came from, um, fighting and from mm. stupid life choices before becoming <laughs> a Christian. Like it was, it was a series of things. And you know, different, different aspects of my, uh, brain had to get worked out. And so now I've been forced in a way into having confidence that I didn't have when I was younger to be able to just say out here at exactly that, exactly that I asked Josh, don't take that out because when you go to speak and your brain says, nope, not today, I'm not working, and and you talk for a living, you have to have mm-hmm. the confidence in being able to stand up and say, you know what? I speak the Queen's English. I don't speak perfect vernacular. I don't have perfect mm-hmm. grammar, but I still get out here and I still do this thing. And, you know, that just to just to look at it from every single angle, but to go back to the whole medication thing, it ties into a larger narrative of different areas, different groups of people, different faith systems, mm-hmm. emphasizing different parts of treatment. The Christian community is really willing or at least has become way more willing to at least allow people to talk about it with licensed therapists and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about it here, you keep it here, you keep it contained and then you can work it out and all that kind of stuff. That whole medication or aspect of it is an entirely different can of worms to open up Mm -hmm. for the non-Christian community that whole talking about it, especially growing up in blue collar America, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of culture. Hmm. You don't, that, that, that's not, men don't have, have emotions. Men are leaders. Men are blue collar workers, all of that kind of stuff. That's pretty true. And exactly. And you then turn around and that what becomes, what becomes emphasized is in the private of your own home, you take your medication, you keep your stuff straight and you and that's that's how you deal with it and you just don't talk about it so it's always interesting to see what what common threads you find when you find upbringing and you find what parts of the story what parts of of therapy about the whole thing get emphasized 
Yeah. Let me let me see if you guys let me speak for all three of us. Um, I do want to let our listeners know. Um, I, I don't think any of us would tell you that, you know, if you have these orders, the real solution is pray, say Jesus's name five times in a row and boom, bada bang, no more problems. And I don't think any of us will say you should absolutely take medication or you absolutely should not. I mean, it's one of those. It's a lot more nuanced than people want it to be. Yeah. And yes. that's and that's what I really hope gets gets emphasized. Like, yes, we'll get back to the comic book talk and and tying this into to fandom and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in order to have this conversation, you have to at least on some level explore the nuance of it all. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you guys take from this conversation that you have three people from three different parts of the world that have experienced three different stories. That yes, we have common threads. We're all in the same things we all love jesus we all you know are part of the mental health community but we still have three different stories and Mm -hmm. have have had to go to three different points to find at least some form of therapy or peace or things Mm -hmm. like that if it's any of the medicated or if it's any of the medical related stuff honestly just go to go talk to your doctor that's not we're not not doctors we just play ones on tv like that's not (laughs) that's not for us to to diagnose or to prescribe or anything like that Mm -hmm. when it comes to the religious side of it and all of that kind of stuff no nowhere in the bible does it say just pray it away choose joy any of that kind of stuff yeah the bible does have some things to talk about anxiety mental health Mm -hmm. all of those things yes it is not silent on it but it's also not condemning towards anybody who is mentally irregular we have has to be approached with the level of nuance that that is present and that's part of why we get this conversation wrong so much is because we don't treat it with the nuance and the respect that it deserves yeah i I think if you read the bible carefully it's um to me it seems clear that a God will help with all of these things. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. he will cure it because yes. he also calls a lot of people who are very clearly anxiety ridden, very clearly have depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just not uncommon for God to call people with mental issues. And it's also not uncommon for people to receive help from God. That doesn't mean cure, mind you. Yes. Yeah. I almost wonder to your point, I almost wonder if there's an aspect of People who are mentally irregular have a better idea of what it means to have to depend on something greater than yourself because you are aware that some of the most key aspects aspects and intricacies of the human persona and human experience don't work right for you. And so it becomes suddenly a lot easier to rely on something outside of yourself. I don't have any scripture to point to that verifies what I'm saying. It's a theory that I've tried mm-hmm. to, or that, that I've, I've come up with in reconciling this whole idea. Cause I too being a kingdom person, being the, a person who spent a lot of time in the book of acts and things like that. Mm-hmm. I would agree that a lot of people were called that suffer with what, modern day would be called anxiety disorder or mania Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. And it would seem like to me that there is a correlation there. Yeah. Okay. So I have a, a verse that's somewhat related. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in Romans five 20 says the law came in so that offense would increase 
where sin increased, grace abundant all the more. And uh, there's other places where Paul, Paul makes this clear distinction that those who sin more realize more their need for God. Hmm. And I, you know, it's not directly the same thing, obviously. It is not sinful hmm. to have mental illness, although I would argue it's a result of sin, not necessarily your own sin, but just that sure. sin exists in the world. Sure. Um, right. But I'll say the more you are weak, the greater you realize your need. And I think that's kind of behind that point that Paul's making there. Well, that's second Corinthians right there. When I am weak, he is strong. I will boast in my weakness. Like I, I think you're on the right trail here, fellas. I wanted to answer a question that we asked that we didn't answer. Okay. Was <laughs> how do you know if your worship is true or if it's just mental illness? <laughs> so okay. going back to that idea okay. um, that Moon Knight kind of brings up. Here's something where I don't want to bash other religions or anything because that's just not something that I regularly do because I don't claim to have all knowledge about all religions. Um, what I will say is something that's fairly unique in Christianity than some other religions mm-hmm. is the community aspect. You know, there isn't a, you know, God, because, you know, you do this worship or you just know him personally. That's not necessarily a Christian aspect. It's more of a, you know, him through your community. Um, even when he talks about prophets mm-hmm. in first Corinthians 14, you have to have multiple people witness that what you say is true. And I think that is how, you know, when you're hearing things from God and other people are saying the same things and verifying it, then, you know, it's not just in your head. I mean, maybe it's several people that are all making up the same thing, but the more people that is, the less likely that is. And that's mm-hmm. where I think that's an important aspect of the Christian faith is the community is having what you're hearing verified by other people. And on that note, it's important to um, in, in it's important to remember that God not only meets us where we're at, but helps mm-hmm. us along to where we need to be going. And mm-hmm. that's part of that personal relationship aspect of it. And to, to, add that sauce on top of what Josh just said, you have a God who a knows you personally is willing to meet you where you're at and all of those kinds of things. And B encourages community and dynamic relationships with other people and the verification of words through the collection and all of that kind of stuff. So what we're talking about here is a God that will understand your limitations, your own personal issues, and orchestrate things to be able to help with that, to verify these things, to be able to put things into place and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, you can still choose whether or not you listen and all of that kind of stuff, but we're Mm -hmm. talking about an all-knowing, all-powerful God that understands the idiosyncrasies of this and works therein. Yeah, by contrast... Moon Knight is pretty much the only one hearing the moon god. <laughs> so True. that is why we're like, he might just be crazy. He might <laughs> just be It's not crazy. a bunch of people hearing it and worshiping together and experiencing the same things. It seems as though he might be the only one experiencing this. And that's what brings into question his reality. That's that's interesting. I like that. So we talked a little we talked a lot about Moon Knight. Joe, you brought up Daredevil earlier. Yeah. Um in your connection with him, are there any other characters in the comic book world that you guys maybe connect with or enjoy in general that are a part of this community? Okay. Um, 
I would always bring up Moon Knight into this conversation or into the conversation of religion and comics. He's just one of my go tos. Sure. Um, outside of Moon Knight, uh, I think you'd be remiss not to mention Jessica Jones and Purple Man. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Jones struggling with the trauma of being sexually abused and having PTSD from that and not knowing how to connect to people because of it. Mm-hmm. A purple man who did the abusing in this situation also has an interesting mental health thing where people have to do what he says. So he's always questioning if anyone actually loves him or cares about him or if they're just doing oh, it because they have to, which is also, yeah, it just, they both have really interesting mental health issues. Um, outside of that, I think Miss Marvel's pretty interesting. Miss Marvel slash Peter Parker, the anxiety of people in high school and trying to cope with oh, okay. what it means to be a superhuman and be different from other people mm-hmm. and dealing with that anxiety and the social pressures while also trying to do something that teenagers just weren't meant to do. Um, Fair. And then further, I like to bring up the Riddler. And I feel like it's timely. It is. <laughs> that narcissism there where there, there's this question of, does the the Riddler actually has to prove that he's smarter than Batman? Mm-hmm. It's just part of his character is the need to prove that he is the smartest. And it's one of those where we overlook and we're like, oh, man, he's just so full of himself. But the more we understand mental health, the more we realize, no, he might actually not be able to help himself. Right. And, and that's just something that I hope they bring out that question in the movie, because it is one of those. How do you help someone who's turned himself into the villain because he has to prove he's better? <laughs> I've also seen OCD associated with the Riddler. Yeah. Which yeah, I'll be interested sure. to see how that if that plays uh, a role in the upcoming film as well. I think that's what gives him away sometimes because he has yes. to have certain things be has specific be. ways. And Batman's like, only Riddler would do that. <laughs> only Riddler is going to re- leave me a giant riddle in the middle of the street. So... Yeah. Joe, uh, how about you? Do you got any other characters other than Daredevil that you would like to bring into this? Yeah, I I think you um, I, I think you have to bring in all of the Batman stuff into this conversation okay. because not only. It, do you have Batman himself who very clearly has PTSD, who very clearly has has a lot of issues, but you also bring in his rogues gallery. And mm. you mentioned one of them. You also have Two-Face, which has also been a fa- – that's always been a fascinating um, character study for me. Um mm. As well as, you know, not to be cliche, but the Joker, you know, there's been there's so much conversation about what it means to be like mentally ill and one bad day and all of these things that tie into Mm -hmm. the same kind of conversations that are happening in this comic that it's so. When when you can accept that these things are real, that this is part of our world, that this is a byproduct of a broken world with a broken people, then you then the fun stuff starts to happen where you can start hmm. to poke and prod and ask questions and analyze different aspects and different situations and things like that. The conversation gets really interesting when you do have the bad guys that as a byproduct of the, of a really bad hand and a really bad life circumstance, they go the opposite direction. You know, you Mm, have the bat 
that you know does not kill people because his parents were killed uh, or were killed and all of these kinds of things you know turning that a little bit and saying well what if he killed but what if the 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 characters Mm -hmm. that you know all had bad life circumstances and things like that what if they went to the bad side and all of that kind of stuff as for me a lot of my favorite characters or character arcs revolve around these types of characters in the mental health community. Uh, I think of characters like Hank Pym, who uh, many have associated with bipolarism, the ramifications of his relationship to the wasp, who at the moment, her name escapes me, has been a major factor all throughout Marvel comics since the seventies or eighties when it happened, the, when the abuse happened, so that's fascinating to me. You know, a lot of times in the comic book world to steal a steal a cliche from iFanboy, you hit the big cosmic reset button and whatever happened before doesn't matter. This is one thing that has stayed within the characters again for decades. Yes, Josh, you have your hand raised. Another event. 1963, Gwen, the night Gwen Stacy died with Spider-Man. Oh, okay. You cannot understand the character of Spider-Man without that one event of trauma, because that mm-hmm. trauma carries with him forever. Right. Andrew Garfield is not my favorite Spider-Man, but he does play that part well. He does oh, yeah. handle that grief. Well, he doesn't handle that grief well. That's the point. <laughs> um, yeah. He does act that grief well. Few of my other favorite characters. I am that guy. Sorry, everybody. I am that guy who really enjoys Vertigo, Doom Patrol, Grant Morrison, Crazy Jane. Her name's not Jane, um, but she also, like Moon Knight, uh, has DID, and all of her different personalities have different abilities, which is cool. And if you, I've only seen the first season of Doom Patrol on HBO Max, but she's one of the main characters, and she is. So good. Also, Brendan Fraser's in the show, and it's great. Um, trying to think who else. Are, I love Rorschach. I'm wrong, but of all the villains in the story of Watchmen, he is the the best one. He is the the heroist of all the villains in the movie. He is labeled as a sociopath, but some articles I have been reading uh, say that that is not a very accurate labeling, but rather um, paranoia. And you take again, we've been talking about uh, mental health and religion. This is a little bit more mental health and existential nihilism, which Joe and I had a full blown conversation about back at the beginning of January talking about Cthulhu. Um, But you take paranoia and the nihilistic existentialism and you have the ultimate vigilante, which was Alan Moore's go or Alan Moore's focus in the story was to write the pure vigilante. Finally, I would be remiss if I did not bring up The Crow, which I will save my full comments on The Crow because based off of Joe's grin, he's going to want to do a whole episode on The Crow at some point. Only the movie, the first movie. There are no other versions. There are no other movies. Um, Fun fact, I'm named after Brandon Lee. That's where he is my namesake. The... Graphic novel is, of all the things we've talked about today, I absolutely have to put a trigger warning before reading. If you go to try to read The Crow trade paperback, 
Um, the author, James O'Barr, was processing PTSD and grief, death of his, I think it was his fiance, girlfriend, uh, tragically dying in a car accident, I believe. And yeah. the writing of The Crow is him processing that grief. And it is violent. If graphic images are triggering to you, you might want to stay away from it. Um, but it is a story of a character who is gone through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and just wants to find peace. And of all of the characters I have brought up, that is the one that I connect to the most. And I'm named after the guy, which is kind of cool. But as someone who also loves punk rock music, um, I, that you see this all the time over there as well. I love the band My Chemical Romance, and a lot of their music is a little bit more... I mean, their biggest song, Welcome to the Black Parade, that is moving forward. That is pain and processing it and trying to move forward. But then you have songs by Linkin Park, like Bleed It Out, where that is about cutting. And there was a period of my a period of my life where I had to cut that stuff out. I had to cut some of those songs by Linkin Park or some Papa Roach songs out of my life because... That was not where I needed to be. So I think we see it all across the board when it comes to um, the depiction of mental health in pop culture in general, that there are times where, yeah, this is what I need. This is the song that I need right now. This is the character that I need right now. And other times where it's like, uh, this is actually doing more harm than it is good, either to the individual, like what I was saying with the music, or to the stereotypical depiction that should not continue forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there's definitely time and place for these things, right? There's times and place where, you know, listening to bleed it out by Lincoln park or reading Jessica Jones comics could just be triggering and make your situation worse. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like there's times where you could use those things to vent and kind of work through your own feelings in a more healthy way too. And I think it just kind of depends on the person, which is not helpful to say. Sure. <laughs> Well, it, I think it also depends on the period of time. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, to to live the gimmick, since Josh called it out earlier um, about the whole vulnerability in front of the red light thing. Um, last week, I got news that um, a very good friend of mine took their life. And um, if you want to splice in a trigger warning for that, go ahead. I don't know if that's if that's something that you want to that you want to put a trigger warning to since I try not to use the actual word because for some people it's more about the word for other people it's more about the concept. So I don't want to screw anybody up or anything like mm -hmm. that by by bringing it up. So if you want to put that in or whatever, that's do do what you got to do. Um but it, so so I I was listening to music and um uh, in the end by Lincoln Park. Yeah. Come on. Um, no, I was not. And my hands were, my hands were tied doing things at that particular moment. And my wife actually heard the song start because I was listening to it on my phone. Um, and she went and changed it for me without prompting mm -hmm. from me. Cause she just knew, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a time and a place and that wasn't awesome. the time nor the place, you know? So that's, that's something that is again, nuanced, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I almost think that it's kind of in line with, um, 
it's kind of in line with where you're at in the process. I think mm-hmm. for, for some people, you know, yeah, sure. There's an immediate release of listening to certain types of music or whatever like that. But I think it's, it's indicative of where you're at in the processing of it mm-hmm. all as to what you're cool with hearing or what you're cool with taking in and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And that goes to the aspects of this where there are, you know, throw, throwing the baby out with the bathwater is very tempting when you're somebody who's sensitive to, th- to messages like choose joy and stuff like that. But there is a very real aspect of it of, of keep your mind, keep your thoughts, keep your posture on, on God when mm-hmm. these things happen. It's not going to magically make the whole situation not, as if it had not happened, but it's certainly something that we're called to do. And so maybe there, you have to be hyper aware at certain points of what kind of stuff you're taking in and what kind of stuff that you can handle. Because if you're not a, at 100% or if your sensibilities aren't where they need to be to filter out the junk when you're taking stuff in, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're pointing at, we're pointing at punk music right now, mm-hmm. but I listen to blues music. It's the same deal. There's some blues that I can't listen to sometimes. Things mm-hmm. like that. Like there's there's tons of this is true across the board. We're not we're not pointing at something specific here. So just be aware of that. And I think that's that's healthy to being honest with where you're at and what you need at that particular time. Would you like a hot take? So I don't like the band Casting Crowns. I find them massively overrated and a lot of other stuff that I would like to say about that. But their song Praise You in the Storm was something that I needed for a period of time. I throw everything else out. <laughs> Casting Crowns is my guilty pleasure. I'll, I'll throw it there. I don't think they're good. But man, do I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really fun. It's been heavy, but this has been really fun. I've enjoyed this conversation, especially the light bashing of casting crowns part. Um, Josh, you said earlier that you had a passage of scripture for us out of first Peter. Was it? I changed my mind. (laughs) Oh, cool. Let me read the rest of what we read earlier. Romans five, since we've already sort of done this. Um, for just as though one man's obedience, the many were made sinners. So also through one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. The law came to multiply the trespass where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. That's going back to that whole, the more you need it, the more you realize you need it. Mm. And this is the part that I really think brings it home for me is so that just as sin reigned in death. So also grace will reign in through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we said earlier, a lot of this mental illness isn't a result of your sin, not talking to any specific person, but it is a result of the fact that sin exists at all. So is death. So is all of the negative things. And one day it will be done away with. Amen. Joe, you want to throw in anything on that? That's the that's the the gimmick, right? Like when I when you hear people refer to, you know, that something different that Christians have, a lot of times it's referred to as letting your light shine. I don't necessarily resonate with that particular way of saying it. What it is for me is for Christians have the sound of victory blaring from deep down in their spirits. That's Hmm. something that that is hope of something that we can't see immediately, something that is outside of 
us and outside of circumstance and outside of situation and outside of illness and all of these things. No, I'm sorry that I cannot cupcake away the fact that this life is hard and that there are some of us that walk a road that is we have we have to deal with long term damage from worldly issues or uh, physical limitations or something along those lines. That mm-hmm. does not take that away. But to be able to put your hope in something outside of that is everything. That is the gospel. That is exactly what um, the Bible is calling us to remember and to keep in mind and to put stock in and all of those kinds of things, not a weaponized version that says that you're less than, or you need to repent or you need to, you know, yes, we need to repent, but repenting is not going to take away mental illness. I'm sorry, but it's just not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these bad and manipulated versions need to go. And we need to remind, remember that our hope is lies beyond this in something bigger then any aspect of this it can 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 save more than any of any of the damage that can be done by any of this stuff. Yeah, suffering is just a part of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul talks about a thorn in his side that did not go away. It's just kind of anchor you to this life sometimes to realize that mm-hmm. you're not done with the race yet. Yeah. And I, the only, the only thing that I would add to that is that it's, it, that's, that's emblematic of the human experience. You know, yes, it is. There is a part of suffering as Christians and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that the, that the suffering that we bring in for a lot of people, you know, it's one thing if you experience these things and you're kind of a a lifer, like, uh, you know, you got saved at a young age and you kind of stayed in the faith and all of that kind of stuff, but it's, it's trauma being carried into the relationship from a time before being a part of the relationship. And so Mm -hmm. for Christian or non-Christian, for sinner or for saint, there is this aspect of reality where, yeah, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes we have to experience consequences to our actions. Sometimes we have to experience consequences for somebody else's actions. And Mm -hmm. all of those things are very, very hard and very, very thick to wade through. But they at least clear up a little bit when you can start at the base minimum of pointing to Jesus and saying, at least my hope is in that everything else can get worked out. But at least that that's, that's the starting point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, guys. Well, how about we start wrapping this up? All right. Hey, SG listeners, head on over to systematicecology.org and let us know if you ever want us to talk about this again, or if you ever want us to talk about any of those characters more in depth. Obviously, Joe and I are going to talk about the crow. That's a no brainer. That's going to happen. Um, Joe's in charge of scheduling now, so that's going to happen. Um, but if there are any of these other characters you would like to hear more about or talk us talk more about mental health, let us know. We'd love to do it again. Guys, before we get out of here, uh, we'll start with Josh. Anything you would like to recommend to our audience? I want to recommend two podcasts. Yeah. Um, so first, uh, mind you, uh, 
I don't know how to say this theologically. I might not always agree with this person, but uh, Wednesdays with Watson, uh, Amy Watson does that podcast. She talks a lot about PTSD and her experience dealing with it. Hmm. It could be helpful to some people. I think you should at least check it out if you think you might be dealing with that or know someone who's dealing with PTSD. Um, also, Faster Than Normal podcast. It is a podcast about ADHD. It is very fast paced and meant for people with ADHD. If you don't have ADHD, I'm told that it is entirely too much. So, yeah, take that caveat. <laughs> nice. I might listen to it to see if it is too much. Joe, how about you? What do you got? Um, there's a book that I have been um, looking at slash watching the YouTube channel of called Gotham 1919 to 1939. It's labeled as a parody book, but it's basically what if uh, Batman and all of the rogues and everything and all of the characters were all real and they were between the the times of 1919 to 1939. And it is hmm. very well done. Cool. Interesting. I like that. Uh, as for me, I, I will also recommend two because Josh recommended two. Um, granted, we did poke fun of this trope in Christian music a little bit. But one thing that has been helpful to my wife and I with our anxiety, she's she has anxiety occasionally, it will creep up in me, is this thing called scripture lullabies. It's a lullaby music and it's scripture. And it's very peaceful. And we came across it uh, during the early days of the pandemic, arguably when we needed some anxiety relief the most. And it's it has genuinely helped us out a lot because it's not just gentle music, but it's the word of God. And it's not just trust and obey or read your Bible. It's passages that put your mind on who God is which is what nice. we really need. Another thing I would recommend going back, we talked a little bit about some of the villains that fall into this category as well. I would recommend if you've never read Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison, that is a good character study on a lot of Batman's villains. Uh, is it the greatest Batman graphic novel of all time? I would say no, but it definitely is up there. And if you have played the video games and you love them and you haven't read the book, what is your excuse? Josh, what is your excuse? <laughs> I don't hey, have can I <laughs> can I make one more recommendation? Um, no, John Eldridge. The Christian author John Eldridge put out an app um, right before the pandemic started um, called the Pause app, and it's basically a, a mental health pod or a mental health uh, app where you can do one minute, three minute, or five minute um, pauses, where it's just kind of like guided. There's um, like pur purposeful prayer time, reading of scripture, that kind of thing, and it is. Fantastic. You can set it to remind you every single day to hmm. take a pause and things like that. It's something I still use. Nice. And it's by John Eldridge. So, you know, it's good. Yep. All right. Well, Josh, if people wanted to keep up with you and all the other things that you talk about, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, just wherever you're listening now, look up the whole church podcast. We're there. Also, go to systematicgeekology.org, hit host. You can scroll down. You can find any of us three and all the stuff we do is on there. So also true. Pretty simple. Joe. 
Uh, you can find me um, anywhere you find podcasts at uh, Buddy Walk with Jesus. And you can also find me every Saturday over at uh, Facebook.com slash Kingdom on the Road. Nice. And you can find me, Brandon Knight, over at My Seminary Life, where I talk about the stuff I'm studying in grad school right now. And uh, Josh is going to be on the show. That uh, Actually, that episode may have already come out by the time this comes out. And the same with the one that Joe's going to be on. So, because all my friends are, are going to be on the show. Um, but yeah, you can find it's part that. part of the contract. It's part of the contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, just like Josh said, you can find that on the SG website or wherever you are listening to the show now. And before we get out of here, uh, I do want to say for all of you who are listening to this episode, who needed to hear some people talk about mental health, I just wanted to direct my attention to you all for a moment who are part of this conversation. You are loved. You matter. You are, your story matters. We are thankful that you are here listening to this, not because it's running up our downloads, but because you are here. You matter and we love you all so much. And remember that we are all like, I hate this part of the show. We're all a kingdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.